Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have now to gather around your word. And uh, we pray that as we do that, that you would speak to us by your spirit, that you would open our eyes to see you, that you'd open our ears to hear what you have to say to us today, and you would open our hearts to receive uh, your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I wonder if you can think for a moment of a, a memorable invitation that you have received. Now, it could be memorable for positive reasons. Maybe it was an invitation to a party or a wedding or an event that you, you just couldn't wait to go to. And the anticipation and, and the excitement leading up to that was hard to contain. And maybe you have some great memories from an event like that. Or maybe you can recall a memorable invitation for all the wrong reasons. Uh, maybe it was an invite to something you really didn't want to go to. And you tried to think of any excuse to avoid being there. Uh, the passage that was just read to us by Marvel recounts a story that, that Jesus told to a group of people who assumed that they were invited guests to the party to end all parties. But Jesus told this story to show them that they were actually guilty of rejecting that invitation. That the guests who would ultimately end up enjoying the party were the last people that anyone would ever expect. And it's such an important story for us to look at because Jesus is talking about a party that we're all invited to. And how we respond to that invitation is the most important decision that any of us could ever make. So just to set the scene, Jesus had accepted an invitation to dinner at the house of a Pharisee, a religious leader. We're told in verse 1 of chapter 14, one Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. So the setting for this story is a pretty hostile dinner party. Jesus was invited to dinner because his hosts wanted to catch him out. By this point in Luke's account, there are numerous examples of these religious leaders, these Pharisees, showing hostility towards Jesus. I wonder how you would react to that kind of invitation. If you knew that it was going to be awkward, if you knew that there was a hostile agenda behind your invite, well, you might be tempted to make some excuses. You'd maybe refuse that invitation. Well, Jesus knew exactly what awaited him that day. He, he was invited to the Pharisee's house, but he went anyway. Isn't that interesting? You know, Jesus was willing to engage with those who hated him, those who vilified him, those who were trying to catch him out. And in Luke chapter 14, we have the account of this dinner party. And there's a series of, series of back and forth exchanges between Jesus and the Pharisees. And then we get to verse 15 and we read, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. The Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection. And they depicted resurrection life in God's kingdom as a great banquet. And so this religious leader, he utters a very 
pious statement, a statement that is obviously full of the assumption that he and his fellow Pharisees were the blessed ones. They would be guests at the, the party to end all parties. And the fact that Jesus was there to be caught out that day, that meant that this Pharisee surely assumed that Jesus was certainly not one of the blessed ones. He wouldn't be at the party. But look how Jesus responds. He, he doesn't nod in agreement with this pious Pharisee. He doesn't affirm him. He just launches into a story. A story designed to teach his hosts how wrong they were. We're told, uh, verse 16, we read there, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, to understand a, a bit of the way things worked back then, when an invite was made to an event, it came in two stages. Now, the first invitation was a bit like our save the date, but with a bit more expectation. It flagged up that the event was happening, but it wasn't simply asking people to mark it in their calendars. It was looking for a response. And then the second invitation was made to those who had responded positively to the first one. And what Jesus is describing here are people's responses to that second invite after they'd already said yes to the first. People who'd already committed to being there, now they were pulling out at the last minute. Now that's the kind of thing that might be frustrating enough today. But in that culture, it was a massive no-no to pull out like that. It was extremely disrespectful to the host, especially when the excuses given were so lame. Right, we read verse 18. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Really? Going to view a field was hardly the most urgent thing to do. And surely you would check the field before you bought it, not after. The second excuse is kind of along similar lines. Examining oxen is hardly a pressing matter. The third guy, he uses his wife as an excuse. But surely she could have just gone along with him. They, they weren't trying to keep guests under a certain number. Plus ones would surely have been allowed. These excuses were pretty pathetic. Jesus intentionally presented the lamest excuses to emphasize how wrong these guests were to reject the invitation. They disrespected the host of this great banquet. And we're told, verse 21, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. So after all his invitations had been rejected with these lame excuses, the master, rather than just cancel the banquet, and tell the caterer not to bother. No, he is intent on filling his house. He opens up his home to those 
who were considered the outcasts of society, those who would never normally get an invitation to a great feast. But still there was room for more, verse 22. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. So the master sends his servant out of the city to the places where those who, who, who didn't even make it into the outcast category were to be found. The kind of people who would never get, on, uh, get an invitation to anything, let alone a feast. People who were so far down the pecking order that it would take a massive amount of persuading to bring them to believe that they really were actually invited to a feast. And that's why the master urges his servant to compel them, to do everything that he can to persuade them to come. What we have in this parable is a picture of a lavishly generous host who longs to fill his hall with guests who can revel in the feast. But then the parable ends on a somber note. Jesus concludes, verse 24, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Those who rejected the invitation, those who made their excuses, they missed out. Now, it's an engaging story, but what does it all mean? Well, parables were stories that Jesus told to teach his audience something about God. And those who were gathered around the dinner table that day, they would have been in no doubt about the message that Jesus was looking to get across. The, the host in the parable is, of course, God, and uh, the banquet is his kingdom. And those invited guests who made their excuses, they were the religious leaders, the, the very people who assumed that they were the blessed ones. When in actual fact, they were barred from the party. Their places were taken by those in society that they looked down on, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The last people that that, that culture would have considered as blessed. But even more shockingly than that, their place in the kingdom had also been taken by, by those out on the highways and the hedges, those who were considered beyond the pale. And those who came into that category were the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the last people that these Pharisees would ever expect to be in the kingdom of God. Just imagine sitting at the dinner table that day as Jesus finished his story. I'm sure you'd have been able to hear a pin drop. Talk about an awkward dinner party. These guys who had invited Jesus to catch him out, they would have been in no doubt about his message to them. That a place in the kingdom of God, it's not gained by religious observance. It's not down to how good you are. It's, it's not something that you can earn. It's about accepting the invitation that God offers in Jesus Christ. Now, as I've been re reflecting on this passage this week, it, it, it got me thinking, why is it that people make excuses to avoid accepting an invitation? Why do we do that? 
Well, it's because ultimately we think that, that whatever it is that we've been invited to, whether it's a party, a wedding, an event, it won't be all it's cracked up to be. It, it won't be worth our time. We have better things to do. And it's the same when it comes to the invitation that Jesus gives. Why is it that people reject an invitation to come into the kingdom of God? Well, because they have a view of God that's ultimately false. You see, if your view of God is that you have to earn his acceptance, uh, that he's some kind of harsh taskmaster who's just out there to, 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 to set exacting standards on you that you can't possibly meet, and that a relationship with him is a drudgery and not a joy, which was really how these Pharisees uh, related to God, then you won't have high expectations for any party that he's going to throw. I mean, life in the kingdom of a harsh king, it's, it's not exactly appealing, is it? And many people, they reject the invitation that Jesus offers because they don't think he's worth it. The problem is they've rejected a false view of Jesus. We live in a city where less than 2% of the population attend church regularly. The vast majority of people that we interact with day to day have never actually heard the message of the gospel. They think they have, but they've rejected Jesus without ever actually meeting him. But what they've rejected is the version of Jesus that they've heard that they've pieced together from some negative experiences or some social media posts or the portrayal of some hypocritical Christian or simpering priest on TV. If they only knew who Jesus really was, well, then they'd understand how incredible the invitation that he offers really is. If they only knew how he yearns to fill his kingdom with outcasts, with those who would take a huge amount of persuading that the invitation is really for them. If they only knew that there is nobody who is beyond the offer of this invitation, no matter their shame, no matter their past. If they only knew the mercy, the forgiveness, the, the love that he offers to anyone who would receive it. Last week we were looking at Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This woman who'd been shunned by her society because of her sexual history. And in verse 39, she goes to the town and she tells them, he told me all that I ever did. Jesus knew everything about her. He saw the darkest corners of her life and he invited her to come to the party. And that's the message that we have to share. You know, look at us here. We are gathered from the highways and hedges. We're a room full of Gentiles. Jesus knows everything about us. There's nothing that is hidden from his sight. He sees that the darkest parts of our hearts, 
But that knowledge, it doesn't cause him to rip up the invitation, to, to close the doors uh, to his banqueting hall and lock them tight. No, he, he flings them wide open. And he passionately pleads with us to come, to come and join the feast. And he does that as he sends his servants out to the highways and the hedges with that invitation of lavish grace to anyone who would receive it. And if we belong to him, then we are those servants. We are the ones who've been sent out with that invitation. That's the amazing thing about the way that God works. That he chooses to work through his people to get this message out. And it's a glorious invitation that we have to offer to our friends, to our neighbors, to our work colleagues, to the people of Leith. An invitation that dispels the, the false views of Jesus that have caused them to reject him. An invitation that declares the wondrous truth of who Jesus really is. Do you know, Something I've learned over the years as I've talked about my faith is that if I talk generally about God, I can kind of keep on that track for some time. But the moment I talk about Jesus, that's when things start to get a little bit tense and a little bit challenging because that's the moment where people are introduced to him. But if we can have confidence and trust that God works as we declare the name of Jesus, then we'll see him do that. We have an incredible message to share of a loving Savior who bore our sin and shame when he went to his death on the cross. A Savior who gave us his perfect, spotless life, who clothed us in his righteousness so that we could know what it is to stand blameless before our Creator, forgiven and free, a merciful King, who died and rose again, and who offers a seat at the table for anyone who will accept him. An invitation to know true and lasting joy at a party that will never end. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful picture of your lavish generosity your deep desire to see lost people come to know you. Your deep desire to reach out to the highways and the hedges and, and plead with people to come in. Lord, what a glorious message we have to share of our Savior Jesus. And so we pray, Lord God, that, that we would invite people to come and know him to come and join the party, that you'd give us courage and, and you would guide us as we look to do that in our day-to-day -day lives. And Lord, as we come to this table now to take bread and wine, we thank you for the visible reminder it is to us of your lavish generosity, of your grace and mercy, of your heart for the lost. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.